just excited to be kicking off a new series this week on a topic that is so dear to my heart. And if you've been worshiping with me for the last four weeks, you probably recognize that. This series is called Holy Roar. And we're going to be talking about the impact of praise. We're going to be embarking on this series through the month of July discussing this concept of praise and worship and its place in God's word. It'll lead us into a fun study of Hebrew words. We're going to nerd out on some Hebrew. Ready? We'll all get to practice saying Hebrew like rednecks, right? But this week, we're setting the stage for that conversation with a really powerful story from the Old Testament. I just feel like I have to say, I hope you know when I say rednecks, I am one of you. So I hope that's not insulting. I grew up in Hartville, Missouri. If you don't know where that is, there's a reason why. Go look it up. (laughs) My dad has the first dead animal I ever killed hanging on our living room wall, so... I feel like I, I am one with the rednecks. Sorry. Back on track. Holy roar. We're going to go into this story from the Old Testament. This is one of my favorite stories when it comes to the topic of worship. It's from 2 Chronicles 20. Let me give you some quick context here. And I am going to... Shannon, do you have the ability to make the back screen mirror this? without it totally blowing everything. Thank you so much. So some context of this story. Jehoshaphat is king of Judah at this time, and he is being warned that there are three different surrounding nations coming to attack the people of God. And so what does he do? He's a good leader of the people of God, so he calls the people to fast and cry out to the Lord. So that's a really quick summary of where we're headed. And so I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of God's word, and you can follow along on the screen. We're going to be reading 2 Chronicles 20, verses 13 through 24. Hear the word of our Lord, church. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord, With their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mathaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not Be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeril. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. 
Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. What a strategy, right? Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. The word of our Lord. You can be seated. I have always marveled at this story. It's pretty incredible. Let's back up a tad in this story to learn a bit more about what's happening here. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, we see that the king Jehoshaphat called the people together to fast. Another thing that I'm passionate about, we'll talk about that at another date. And then we see it begin to unfold in verses 5 through 12. Jehoshaphat comes before the people and he leads them by praying a prayer of faith. We see him declaring what the Lord has done and then asking for what the people need. I think it's important to pause right there and notice the pattern Notice that pattern that this king that is defined, if you read uh, in commentaries, he's one of the few kings that was declared a king that followed the heart of God. And so as he was leading the people, we see that he prayed prayers of faith, reminding the people what God had already done, and then praying for what they needed. And so I, I can't help but notice this pattern that I'm going to place before us today. This is in your notes if you're following along. Praise is to be positioned in the midst of our petitions. I worked really hard to use lots of P's in that. Praise is to be positioned in the midst of our petitions. I actually think we see this model demonstrated a ton in the Psalms. That as the people of God cry out, in the midst of them declaring the needs that they have, 
Lifting up praise to God is peppered in everywhere. Why? Well, I think praise feeds our faith. Amen? It encourages our boldness before the Lord who loves us. And it gives us that boldness we need to come humbly before the Lord and ask for what we need. Praise feeds our faith. Let me give you an example. Anybody had a really bad day? You're all lying. Come on. Anybody had a really bad day? There you go. There you go. Okay. Yes. How many of you have turned on some good Jesus music and you started feeling a little better? Every time. Or it makes me cry and that's okay too because usually I just need to cry. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's true. Praise shifts something inside of us. It really shouldn't shock us at all that when Jesus taught us to pray, praise was all over the model prayer that he presented. In fact, think of it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That phrase is meant to be, holy is the Lord. Keep your name holy. And so right off the get-go, Jesus is telling us that embedded in our prayers should be praises lifted to heaven. It's worship. It's lifting praises to the king. Let's continue in this thought, but lay aside for a second this thought of what praise does to me and for me. Because the reality is praise helps me out a lot. When I'm in a bad mood, it can turn things around. But let's think about this too. We've got to be reminded that God is worthy of praise simply because of who he is. God is worthy of praise simply because of who he is. So let's say it real, real plain. Whether he answers my prayers the way that I wanted to or not, as the creator of all things, as the giver of life, as the one who sent Jesus, as the one who is holy in all ways, he is worthy of my praise. Amen? And so even if God, I I feel like I have to do air quotes because this just feels unrealistic, but even if God never did a single thing for me ever again in my life, he is still so worthy of all my praise. Amen? So worthy. So we live in this space with this in mind. Praise is to be positioned in the midst of our petitions. So every time we go before the Lord asking for anything, it is wise and appropriate of us to lift up praises as we do so. As hard as it is, personal testimony, sometimes my best moments of praise are when I am hurting the most. When my faith is really struggling and I come before the Lord and I say, God, I don't get it. I'm having a hard time trusting you. But because of that, I am going to lift my hands and declare, holy is the Lord. Great is your faithfulness. You can be trusted. Amen? 
I love the final words of King Jehoshaphat's prayer. At the end of verse 12, he wraps up his prayer before the people with these words. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Anybody been there? Can I get an amen? Gives me a lot of peace that a king after God's heart prayed such words. So as we continue on, we see what happens after the people gather, they fast, they worship, they cry out to God. God emboldens a prophet to encourage and speak life over the people of Judah. These are really valuable words for us even today. The prophet that God rose up said this, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The prophet goes on to say, stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Man, there are a lot of sermons in there, but let's just be reminded, church, that the battles that we feel around us are not ours, and so we might need to quit fighting them. We might need to employ some different weapons, if you will, and let God do the fighting. Let's listen to their response. As the prophet spoke, this is how the people responded. Look at verses 18 and 19. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with what? A, not just a loud shout, a very loud shout. Yeah. It's what it says. I want us to note at this point, God had really done nothing at this point for them in this situation, right? It was really words only. And maybe we might admit in our humanness when God sends the prophet to be like, I'll believe it when I see it. You ever been that way with God? Yeah, God, I'll believe it when you come through. No, 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 no. The people were not doing that. Absolutely not. Their leader bowed with his face on the ground and all the people followed. They stood to praise the Lord with a very loud shout. God had taken no action that we can tell on their behalf. And this is how they reacted. This is in your notes. Praise precedes provision. A lot of P's. Would you say that out loud with me? Praise precedes provision. There's this principle that we see rising up in the people of God that they were willing to lift up praises before God before he had delivered at all. 
There's one of, one of my favorite songs. It's, the chorus says, I'll praise before my breakthrough. And isn't that what we see them doing? They were worshiping the Lord before God moved. And again, they were saying with their whole bodies, even if you don't, you're worthy of my praise. And also, you spoke. And I know you to be faithful. And so yet again, I declare you are worthy of my praise for your matchless, faithful love. So we we come to this place where God is worthy of worship, period, because of who he is. But also, like we've mentioned, praise does something to us. This is in your notes. Praise builds our faith and postures our hearts to receive the peace of God. Praise builds our faith and postures our hearts to receive the peace of God. I'm thankful for the peace of God. Amen? Let's go to God's word to see what I mean. Something shifted in the people in this story. If we go back to verse 3, it said Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, by the news that three surrounding nations were coming after him and the people of God. He was terrified. I don't know about you. I would have been too. Amen? Not you, just me. Got it. I would have been scared. Y'all would have been fine. So Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. But if we fast forward to verse 19, the same one who was terrified stood before the people to praise the Lord with a very loud shout. Before God did anything. And so church, I I notice that the praise in the midst of their petitions, repostured their hearts. Let me say that again. The praise in the midst of their petitions repostured their hearts. So where they were fearful and anxious, the choice to worship repositioned their hearts to be in a place of peace. They went from fear to peace. Now here's the truth. Let's get real. We know humans because we are them, right? I bet some of them were still a little bit nervous. I bet some of them were still a little bit fearful. But somehow, through the act of coming together with the people of God, worshiping the Lord, they found peace in the praises of the people of God. It was like they had this sense of whatever happens, God is with us and we are together. Church, we can declare that. Whatever happens, God is with us and we are together. Amen? And so we can worship the God who is faithful in all ways. So, uh, forgive my French here. What we learn is, my mom would get so mad at me for using this word. Some of you are going to scold me. When life sucks, come to church. 
and worship your face off. And I bet it will help things. It's really that simple. When life is really stinky, come to the house of the Lord and worship. Even when it hurts, even when you don't really believe it, and let it shift your heart. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. I I love these passages. He says, don't worry about anything. Okay, Paul, got it. Check. (laughs) Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. That's that worship piece. And then it says, then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, I think we see the people of God living this text right here. Praise builds our faith and postures our hearts to receive the peace of God. It's like when I am worshiping God for his faithful, holy love, I cannot be crippled by fear. And I'm thankful for that. Now, the rest of this story, like, I cannot even begin to stand before you and explain it, okay? If I could, then that would mean it's not that great, right? If we could explain all the things of God, he would be real small. But let's see what we can glean from this story nonetheless. I think in this story, we see that in the mystery of God, worship is warfare. In the mystery of God, in the spirit realm, worship is warfare. Paul, again, in Ephesians 6, 12, said words that many of us will probably be familiar with. He said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, there's some mystery in this. Somewhere, somehow, in the spiritual nature of life, our decision to praise changes things. In the mystery of God, our decision to praise changes things. It does something in us. It moves the heart of God. And I would say, combined with prayer, it changes things. I would also say that perhaps the deadliest combination and deadly in the sense of killing the enemy of our souls, not humans, but the deadliest combination perhaps is prayer, fasting, and praise. It changes things. We have to be reminded that this this isn't like a spiritual magic wand. If you come to church and worship your face off, I can't guarantee that your life is going to be sunshine and roses that week, right? But I can guarantee that it will open your eyes to the presence of the living God who will walk with you through everything that week. 
There is this mysterious way in which God moves when we act, when we pray, when we praise, when we fast. God hears. I'll never claim to be able to fully understand because that would make God pretty small. But I know it to be true. Amen? So our biggest takeaway today as we go into this series, Holy War, is this. Worship is warfare. So I would argue, church, that when we are tempted to try the warfare of the world, and I think the church has really been tempted in the last five or six years, We've been tempted to turn our tactics to the kingdoms of the world instead of maintaining the tactics of the kingdom of heaven. And so rather than give in to that temptation, I think we should continue to try God's way instead. Amen? And worship is warfare in the kingdom of heaven. So as we journey together this month, I think this is what we will come to realize together. As followers of the way of Jesus, we are a people of praise. As followers of the way of Jesus, we are a people of praise. The people of God have always been marked by outward expressions of adoration towards God. So will you go on this journey with me this month to discover this? May we together become a people who are anchored to praise. I'll let you into a little trade secret of mine, something that you can expect from me as a pastor. I will never shortchange worship time. I'm not going to stop it. If the Spirit is moving... I'm going with it, amen? And I have deep value for the time that we set aside to lift up praises. So I'll continue to make that a priority. So church, as we begin this journey together, I just pray this. May the word of God shape and form us into a people who praise with abandon. And always, always, always. Give God the glory he is worthy of. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team to come get ready to lead us into this time of reflection, which is honestly an opportunity to do exactly what we've been talking about. Exactly what we've been talking about. They're going to lead us in a song of worship that is just dripping with adoration. I love this song. I cannot say the name of it, so I will not even try, because Pastor Mark will make fun of me. But the words of it say, Holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. There are no better words that could be on our lips today, church, than holy is the Lord God Almighty.